Welcome to another episode of War Stories. I'm Tom. And I'm Chuck. And uh, we're starting to get the hang of doing the intro while we're doing the podcast. Uh, but apparently Chuck's family is still getting the hang of him being allowed to do the podcast downstairs. 100%. 100%. I hope you all can hear this shit. <laughs> uh, one-year-olds don't give a fuck. They say fuck around. You're going to find out real quick. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. so it's as okay. we work Never to do this show uh, a different way, we go live. Um, this is not, this one is not live, uh, because we had to call an audible at all. Yeah. This week's been a gaggle. Uh, I, yeah. I blame it on, I blame it on our new, my new, my new office buddy. For those of you that are watching this on YouTube, you can see my office buddy right here. My new office buddy. So I, I was legitimately in the a store and uh, it was, I was with my kid. He was looking for something on DVD because apparently there are certain things you can still buy on DVD or Blu-ray. And they had a used action figure section because it was used books, used DVDs, used, you know, toys, video games, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. First of all, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Right. Oh my God. Yeah. Next time you're up, I'll take you there. It's it's literally like a Barnes and Noble GameStop Best Buy, but it's all used. Secondhand stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Play it yeah. against sports used to be for hockey yeah, it's equipment. Like, it's like an eBay if eBay was a store and it was just the the the. the that's that's amazing. TV. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Anyway, so I'm in the store because uh, my son wanted to get a DVD, and. Over by the toy section, I see this little tiny action figure that I w- I just got giddy and kind of l- just ran over there and grabbed. And my son was like, what? Because he saw how much joy I was getting out of it. And I grabbed another figure of a guy in uniform. And I, I said, this is what it feels like when you meet the guy from the Academy. And he's a blue falcon. And I held up this figure. That was the Blue Falcon action figure, and then I held up this other guy in a uniform, and he was, "What? Why would you meet the Blue Falcon?" And he was thinking oh, in terms of cartoon, right? Yeah. And I realized, oh, I don't think I've ever, I don't think he's ever been around. Like we've talked about on this podcast, but I don't know that he's ever, you know, he's, you know, he's never been to boot camp or basic or anything like that, so he has no idea. And so I explained to him the roots of the term Blue Falcon and why the comic character was so funny to me and the action figure was so funny to me and then i had to have it so now i have <laughs> i bought the blue falcon action figure i created a meme out of my joke that i made in the toy store that i put on our social media and then i uh, wrote off my six dollar purchase on my taxes by creating it as an office decoration so now we have officially have our blue falcon for the podcast is sitting with all times if, if anything goes wrong it's the blue falcon's fault uh, yeah. so that's what that's what that's I think what went wrong this week. It's all the Blue Falcons' fault because uh, <laughs> our guest this week is not like we almost recorded it. Or would you would you say I think we got a, about twenty eight yeah. minutes in, and then 
This is, attempt, <laughs> this is our second attempt at an episode this week. With, yeah. And it's, um, yeah, I, I don't even know how to explain. So kind of explain what happened. Tech. So basically um, we had a returning guest come on. I'm not going to say who he is because we want him to come back on and finish this fucking debrief. Oh, so I gave it away. We were doing a debrief with him. It was kind of like he wants to come back on and tell a story that he's been involved in because he he's um, an ambulance driver. And, and some things happened while on scene of a shooting that he thought should have been handled differently. Sorry, and he wanted sorry, to debrief. I've heard I've heard they don't like being referred to as ambulance drivers. They prefer medics. Oh, uh, whatever. <laughs> I know. No, no, no. Medic. From a medic friend of mine, I, I said, yeah, he was an ambulance. He goes, fuck you. That is so derogatory and demeaning. I'm like, really? So I just ambulance drivers. Same way Marines get up (laughs) when you say they were, and we I are a Marine. Yeah, same way. I am. (laughs) All right. Anyways, my medic over here uh, went to the went to a shooting, and we're not going to give it all away. But we were just trying to explain, like, hey, we know you're upset about how it happened, and there's certain things that I would be upset about, but we have to break everything down. Right. He wrote to us genuinely saying. I have right. some issues with how this went down and I'm hoping sure. you can explain it to me. It's the gist right. of what I got out of it. And there are some righteous fuck ups. We never really got to get to, and we were kind of trying to break everything down. So to make it simple, stupid. So that way, even law enforcement people or people who are not law enforcement can understand like well, the inner workings of thoughts, yeah. right. And the inner workings of thoughts of tactics that go through law enforcement's minds mm-hmm. as, and, and, and it's different from, medics when they come up to a scene because they're not there right when it happens sometimes it can happen if they beat law enforcement which happens in bigger cities but in this case fire uh police were there already and um he just thought it should go a different way and granted there are certain things that could have gone oh completely different fucking direction but we were just trying to explain through certain things and then all i don't of a sudden, even think we were at that point we were in the middle of like asking questions about like the nuts right. and bolts like how many cops are there when did the cops arrive when did this arrive right. when did this happen when did so we hadn't even gotten to like we, we were just starting to get into this debrief and all of a sudden poof he kaiser oh, says it <laughs> rage quit well, well, well so that was, that was um, initially I did not. Chuck said, he's just I'm all no. I said I said oh we lost them. Hold on, and I wait because I run the meeting. I can see when somebody tries to get back in, and so we we kept going, waiting for him to try to get back in. Nothing, nothing. I'm like, oh, I wonder if he's having computer problems. Now at that point, it, it had already not started well because we were we had started late, right? Oh we yeah, had, yeah no, we had yeah. started like. 15 minutes late and he he said he was because he was experiencing some login problems so it's not out of the blue for us to then 45 minutes into this whole debacle wonder what the heck happens when he disappears and chuck finally goes wait did he get mad and i hadn't even i had not even considered that yeah so i've done a bunch of debriefs with people like Mm-hmm. who don't understand certain things when they're like new on the job and mm-hmm. it's not i'm not trying to be a dick or anything like that it's just hey there are certain workings of the brain that you're not thinking of yet when it comes to tactical situations because you don't deal in tactics like we have been dealing with you're new whatever or you like you're a medic and you don't respond to tactical situations all the time you respond right kind of after the fact when the scene's secure you come in do all this other stuff yada yada so kind of like trying to break that shit down 
sometimes offends people and upsets them. And that was not what we were going for. We were trying to like, I even, I hit him up like immediately. And I was like, Hey man, everything okay. Like what happened? He, and then he explains, Oh my, right. my, my tablet shut down on me. I'm like, okay, cool. So yeah. we're hoping that he comes back on. And that wasn't just like an excuse for him not to continue. Cause we, we didn't want to upset yeah. you. We want to continue this. It's not going to be as bad as you think. <laughs> um, if that's what I, the problem was. If it was genuinely right. the tablet, then we're good. We just have to reschedule. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we yeah. that, I tried was, to... that was Chuck and I were kind of like, we genuinely don't know which one this is. I hope we don't know. know. Like, I hope I, he could. He might have. We want him. Yeah. Yeah. We, we want We've never had it happen. For everyone. We've never had never. it happen. So, no. all right. Anyway. No. Uh, so we had to call an audible this week. And yeah. uh, what, what ended up happening is you told your wife something and that caused you to go i have an idea since we have to figure out what because we're now two days past when we tried to record the episode so in the last 48 hours uh we went we had another idea and that idea couldn't work scheduling wise and then uh something happened with your wife that caused you to have this idea correct so a couple of days ago, she was responding to, um, not responding. Well, look at me. Look at this fucking retard. She was driving to work. <laughs> and um, after dropping the kids off. her routine patrol shift in yeah. a marked black and white patrol vehicle. They're trying to do the source of activity. Like, come on. What, what, what am I doing? Um, no, she was, she was driving. I'm going to do it again, dude. She was driving to work, and um, she was struck by all this traffic. And I come to find out there was, huh? She was struck, like, as in, hey, huh. he hit a bunch of traffic. She was <laughs> okay. got stuck in traffic. <laughs> okay. He was like a lot of it. And she yeah. was like, what the fuck is going on? Tried to go up a different mm-hmm. way. Boom. Traffic. Come to find out. She, she just comes back home. She come to find out there was a two, there was multiple vehicle collisions on multiple streets out mm-hmm. in front of the area that she works at, the base where she works at. Um, mm-hmm. And a little child uh, got really fucked up in it, like an infant. I guess infant or toddler uh, around there, small child got really messed up and then someone died and then someone lost a leg. So it was a pretty gnarly crash right in front of where she works. And we started talking about it and we just started talking about, I guess, death. And it brought me just back to something that jogged my memory Uh um, that I tried to forget about. And it was uh, the first time I had someone die um, in my hands. Mm. Yeah, so that's kind of how that brought up. And I, I thought it was funny, like, just to bring, like, the whole thing, like, oh, we were doing this. And then all of a sudden, bam, something snaps into your brain. And a lot of the times, I think a lot of law enforcement and fire and medics got it right. Mm-hmm. Um, deal with this shit because they could be having a fine day. And then all of a sudden, some traumatic experience pops up in their fucking brain. And they weren't even they were just going about their day. Um, and I kind of want to shed light on that, that it's a normal thing to deal with. And we have to learn how to deal with it when that happens. And we have to have good avenues of approach to, to deal with those things when they arise, because they can Mm -hmm. get bad and they can snowball and get really, really, really fucking bad talking from experience. But anyways, I was, um, four months out of the Academy. Okay. Working night watch. And working with a real cool partner, he was a training officer of mine. We we ended up developing a really good rapport. Um, 
So how he was, you, I know the agency you're with has a, a yeah. long-term FTO program, but yeah. it is much more um, partner-like because uh, yeah, you, kinda. <laughs> you'll roll two-man cars yeah. all the time. And so you'll yeah. be with a quote-unquote training officer, but it's very – the kind of person you're with at the beginning when you write, when you first get out of the academy, right? The kind of person you're with then that is considered your quote-unquote training officer yeah. versus the kind of person that you're at in that middle of that year, right, where you're at. Like that four and a half months, like I've got – well, No, some... I was still in ratings. Oh, no, okay. I'm, I'm still at the beginning. Okay. And then the okay. kind of person you're at with the end. Right. So, totally right. So I just want people to understand that at my agency, it was like 16 weeks minimum. That could, it could go out to 20 to 24 weeks, depending on how much training you required. Okay. And then you were not only signed off, but you were signed off to drive a black and white by yourself. And unlike other agencies, right. My dad's agency, LAPD, for example, I don't know about Chuck's agency. Uh, you had to be signed off specifically to roll in a single car. Yes, you, your book has right. to be signed off in a right. lot of agencies. Right. So anyway. <laughs> um, so you're still getting rated. You're still, you yeah. know, basically getting a report card every day. So you are in basically. the later stages of you're expected to be competent and you're expected to handle most police work but you are still getting a report card. Exactly. Yeah. They knew I was going to, I was going to pass, pass FTO program. So you're in the um, final phases of the grading portion. Yeah. So I was with my second FTO and I was towards the end of that portion. Uh, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe like right in the middle, but he already knew I was locked on and good to go. Um, and I had proved it to him time and time again. And then, mm -hmm. so we were at this point and I know it's kind of like, kind of salty to, to for an FTO the agents that work for to do this. But he was like, Hey, we're fucking partners. You've already proven yourself to me. You write competently. Um, I'm not afraid of you tactically. We're fucking partners. So everything from that point forward, after like the right. second week I was with them, it was all partner based, but yeah, I was yep. still getting a, a report card. And then by the time I got to my last FTO, dude, I was like, what the fuck do you want to do? And everyone so that was, like, was my last FTO was the guy you were saying. He's like, look, I'm, I'm supposed to grade you. He says it's been two shifts. Yeah. I've seen enough. I'm going to sign you off. So let's just go out there and hook and book. And I was exactly. like, all right. Dude, yeah. It takes so much stress off. And yeah. you can really start jiving and getting into a, a rhythm. And I think it makes you. Unless you're completely fucked up, it makes right. you a better cop because right. you're getting in a lot more stuff. They're trusting you to do more things, you know. And mm -hmm. by the time I had gotten off, and it's going off the topic a little bit, by the time I had gotten off my probationary, well, my rating period, probation goes for a year with us. Um, by the time I got off that, I was working by myself in a one-man car. I was working with other probationary officers, which was a big fucking no-no, but they were doing it because we were competent enough to do it. And then I was working with other patrol officers who were like, like that were not FTOs. They were just regular cops. And then, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So that was, that was kind of, it was interesting. It was, I definitely got treated different than other people because I was more locked on than other people and they needed to focus all that mm -hmm. crazy fucking energy. So I never got any really crazy hard FTOs, but I, yeah, it was cool. Funny is I, I was, we had very similar upbringings, although 10 years apart. Um, yeah. I, 
Well, I think our dads are similar, similar well, age. Dads are very similar age, similar generation yeah. of law enforcement. So we, we had similar upbringings, even though we're, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know. We're not quite, I think we're eight years apart, maybe 10. But regardless. Oh, like that, yeah, eight or 10. Regardless, I, my FTO told me later on, he goes, yeah, I, I when I kicked you out of my car and I gave you to the next guy, he goes, what, what am I getting? And he goes, you're getting a kid with two hash marks on his sleeve right out of the womb. And I said, this is what I said, what are you talking about? He goes, no, I told your other FTOs that like you had, like you had seasoned. It was, you know, that you were already kind of ready and salty and it was a good kind of a thing. Not like, right. Not like this kid's, you know, cocky. And, and I, I realized that that was, you know, all, all a result of my dad, my upbringing and that like sure. mental preparation for this is how you square yourself away. You know, Absolutely. I think that, that's one of those things about generational law enforcement, why we get into like it, it really does become a generational thing where, but the, the, the example set for you uh-huh. anyway. So I think yeah, I, that's why I mean, it's funny. It's two things now that are very similar just in our training. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, I it definitely has to go with your upbringing and especially law enforcement in a harder, like tougher, stricter father. You know, it's just, it, 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 it breeds a tougher, stronger man, I guess. I mean, yeah, maybe. but yeah. So, and, and the funny thing was before I get back in the story, that training officer that I had that became my partner, mm-hmm. um, my first day with him, I was sick as fuck with the flu, put on <laughs> short sleeves because I had gotten put in short sleeve with my, my fucking training officer from the beginning. Right. Right. And he's like, dude, he chewed my ass. He set me back up. He put me back in long sleeves, threw a fucking tie on me. And and then within eight hours, I had proven to him that I wasn't a shit bag. And then he sent me home early because I was puking in his car, like out the window. And the <laughs> next thing I know, I come back. He keeps me in long sleeves for a couple of days. We do some more shit. And he's like, all right, you're cool. <laughs> yeah. It was great. But, so but anyway, you so yourself a little bit. Yeah. And I think that's great. I think, I think honestly, it's like, it's, it's baptism by fire. Let's see how he does and throw him in the deep, the mm-hmm. deep end. If he can swim. I, I mean, I believe in that and that's how I've run my whole career. If I don't understand something, I throw myself into it to try to figure it out. And that's the way I learn Cause I'm going to fuck up and I need to learn how to not fuck up. Yep. So, I mean, <clears throat> is what it is, but yeah, like, so this is like month four for me, um, maybe four and a half, something around there. And working at night is you're finally feeling like, you know what you're doing a little bit. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. 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 And I was, was okay. I was really comfortable. We were jamming up gangsters all the time. And this, Mm where we worked at uh, South end of our division, uh, army in our area. Um, so we were working in the southernmost portion of our area and that's just was a shithole. Um, it was just, Riddled by gangsters, um, you, you know, you had uh, fucking. I think what Roland was it Roland twenties or forties? Oh, Roland, 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 some Roland, Roland sixties. I have my old gang map. No, I think it was Roland forties or Roland twenties. There's a few of them. Okay, right, go ahead. But anyway, so we're working there. We had MS13. We had 18th Street. We had Playboys. We had Drifters in our area. So we had all the big five food groups that we really like. The big bad motherfuckers. And uh, so we were working that night and we were providing extra patrol on this one street. I can't, I can't name the streets cause I don't want to give away where I, where I work or worked. Uh, rolling and 60s. so that's right. The rolling sixties neighborhood crips, cool. rolling sixties, yes. neighborhood crips. I got to pull my, I don't, 
I could probably pull it up. I want to do it right now. But uh, so I was working with him and we were patrolling and we we're That's doing this extra patrol That's to these trips, dude. Who what? Tukey, remember? On death row, Tukey. Stanley Tukey Williams. Uh-uh. Famous, famous. Okay, real quick. Uh, so for those of you that don't know California's death row history, you just look up Stanley Tukey Williams, and he was the uh, he's one of the founding members of the Rolling Sixties Crips. He was early, 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 early big time guy in the uh, Crips uh, hierarchy of you know the Wild West. That was like the late sixties, seventies, early eighties. Oh, okay. And he was sentenced to death at San Quentin, and he ended up getting like a degree and writing books about his time in prison and his reflections upon what the lessons he'd learned about incarceration. And like, he, he did a bunch of stuff in prison. So a bunch of people were like, Oh, well look how much he's learned his lesson. We should not execute him. And California is like, mm, no. <laughs> so mm. that Tukey was a big yeah. deal. So when you said the rolling sixties, that's why I was pretty sure. So you're talking about some old, like this generational, Gangsters, right? Like you're talking yeah. the way you have generational law enforcement, and you're you're within within sixty years. You're talking that's four generations, right? In that yeah in that area, that and couple 18th Street and MS13, right? Like those are some big motherfuckers. Like bad. Those are some bad. When you talk about gangs, right. those are some bad fucking gangs. Those are bad gangsters. Not like the pood butts you deal with. You're like, oh, you got a 13, cool, dude. You got it taken away. Cool. Right. Oh, you got it back. Okay. You're a bunch of pood butts. Like you just tagging and stuff like tag bangers, like whatever. But anyway, these dudes, they, they, they get respect um, from, from law enforcement. You, that's the only way you can talk to them. You can't be big dicking it around. You have to be on like a cool basis with these dudes because one, you don't want to fucking get greenlit Two, You have to learn how to communicate with these people so you can get information and you can't do it as a dick. You have to give them respect because then they'll give you fucking respect, especially the OGs. The OGs honestly have a code and right. I, I dig it. Like that code is, is it makes it a lot easier for us to deal with them. And when shit goes south, you know, it's going south. It is not like the new era gangsters. Those are a lot harder to deal with because they're just, it's fucking wild. But anyways, yeah. I digress. So we were given this, um, um, I'll say this because you know will understand. Mama Son's Liquor. So it's a liquor store that has been around since fucking for the ni- early 1900s. You know, like but, I say 1900s, I feel like such a fucking retard. But was there, right? Yeah, but like oh, back in the store, fucking day, the liquor store was put up and a city grew around it. Really, like no joke. Yeah, like this was like, there for this, forever. There was, there was yeah. nothing but dirt on every in every direction for yeah. a good. 20 years <laughs> yeah so mama who's this korean lady uh she owns it and we were saying we all go there every night we would sit there we'd, we'd sit in her store give her extra patrol from the time that she's getting ready to close we're sitting there so it's around i don't know probably one to three in the morning <clears throat> and i want to say it's around i think getting close to december um is it december no 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 i'm sorry this is in the summer still so yeah, no, it's it's just late at night. So she's getting ready to close. We're giving her some extra patrol so she doesn't get robbed or anything like that. And then all of a sudden, we hear the emergency traffic come out shooting, um, and it's right down the street. And you can kind of tell when the shootings are like ants, whatever. 
we heard the area, we heard it, and then we saw all the calls that were coming in on it because they could mm-hmm. stack the calls on it. And it was just shooting call after shooting call after shooting call, same location, same area. You're like, this is fucking good. It's our area. So we're in an old school Crown Vic. At that point, it was just all Crown Vics. So um, we uh, take off in the Crown Vic, get fucking sideways around a corner, and we are the first people on scene. So we go code six, and we're we're looking, we're searching. It's dark as fuck. There's it's in front of an apartment complex, but there is no really ambient lighting. Um, the, the street lights are all fucked up and broken, and mm-hmm. so we finally see this dude just slumped over. We're like, oh shit, there he is. So we pop out. We kind of like survey this scene real quick. Like, do we see anybody? Fuck, it's so dark. Fuck it, let's go straight to the victim and keep our heads on a swivel. We start putting out traffic. Like, hey, we need more units. Yada yada, whatever. We got a down victim, start rolling RA, have them stage at this street and this street, which just so happened to be right near the liquor store because we were literally right down the street. Sure. So suspect shooter could have been definitely in the area, probably 100% in the area. But I'm assuming after he popped the dude, he took off running. So this, what happens this, is... This goes to an interesting point from our debrief, which we can get into later exactly. on, which is sometimes you enter into a zone not with, you know... With some unknowns. Sometimes you have to right. enter in with some question marks and you have to make yeah. peace with it. Anyway, go ahead. Yep. So we went over, my partner's kind of looking around. I'm I'm you know triaging the victim. Not telling you to make that point. I just picked up what you were putting down, brother. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, go ahead. So and I thought you would have. So I kind of get there. He's he's slumped over on the ground and it's in front of an apartment complex on the concrete. And he in the city that I work in or the area that I work in, there's like where they put the trees, there's just right. a dirt square. And there's a street. He's he's leaning on that square. Um, he's on the in the dirt, half on the concrete, leaning up against a fucking tree. And so I start looking at him, and he has about three rounds in his chest. He's got one direct center ten ring, mm-hmm. another one of eight and nine ring. Um, the accuracy of this shit was super fucking good, and there was no way he was making it out of this. And you could already see him going to to to, to pass. And he's I'll never forget this dude's fucking face. He was looking at me and gasping for air like I had just taken a fish out of the water when mm-hmm. they open their mouth up and close it. And it's just he's not saying anything. He can't say anything. He's gasping for air. And it's just that fucking, you know it when they're dying and you're like, what do I do? I can't do anything. Right. And you're just holding this guy and you're trying to look for wounds and exit wounds. And he's just he's going in your hands. And my partner comes over and he sees it. And he's just like, fuck, like, he's like, hey, man, like, go to the light. If you see it, go to it, dude. Don't be afraid. You're all right. You're safe now. And he just fucking passed right in my hands. And I was like, oh, fuck. This dude just died. Like, And that's when other units are getting there. And they're already kind of like, they saw us. And he was like, hey, go over here, go over here. Kind of like searching the area because we're first on scene. So we go straight to where the victim is. The other units that are coming. And by the way, this is all happening within seconds of each other because we were mm-hmm. first. Doesn't mean we were there for fucking ever. It just means we got there first and everyone else started flooding the area, searching, um, just making sure the scene was safe for us to deal with this, the victim. And so it's all happening simultaneously because we worked a really small area, um, which was lucky for us. But he he fucking died right in my hands. And I was like, holy shit, like, I don't really know what to do. I'm, I'm fucking new. Right. Like right. Uh, the fuck. Right. And he just goes and, and I'm like, shit. And so at this point, scene secure, RA starts coming in. They start working on him. They're like, they pronounce him dead right there. Um, and then we immediately 
fuck your feelings, switch into investigative mode. Hey, we need to start talking to everybody. So we start going, we start, yeah, we start going to the apartment complex, getting fucking taking our field identification cards, talking to every swinging dick in that apartment. Yeah. Knocking on everything. Hey, do you hear anything? Hey, would you hear? What's your name? What's your da 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 da? Get a full shakedown on them. And towards the end of that investigation, we spent probably about two hours doing this, just trying to get info, trying to access CCTV footage if there is any, which I don't think there was. And in that, at this point, detectives start rolling in because um, they're going to take it over for because it's now a, a homicide, it's a murder investigation. Mm-hmm. And come to find out, he got shot with a revolver in his chest, which is common for gangsters because they don't have to police their brass close range. And then we find out more, which actually made this hit closer to home for us. Um, this, this kid, this young man, he was probably, I think it was 20 and a half, 21. He's very young. He was outside that morning going to get his mom. He was picking her up at LAX, but he didn't have a car. Um, so he was waiting for the Uber or Lyft to pick him up. Mm-hmm. Uh, or a taxi to pick him up to go down to LAX to grab her. And she was there because he was getting ready to go into um, the academy of the area that I work. I almost gave it away. But the area that I work. And he had finalized everything. He had an academy date set. This was his mom coming out wow. there to basically sit with him. So he had gotten hired. And he had gotten hired and, and he, he was getting ready to enter the academy. And he was yep. going to go to your agency. Yes. And so you, he had, and had he was dealing with the, the academy uh, that your agency uses yeah. and your personnel and your background investigators. He had done all that. He's ready to go. Yep. People knew my station and John, yeah. Yeah. And everyone, there's a lot of people who knew him like, Oh, that, that was the kid he was, he was joining. Like I knew this guy, da da da. And then people started like chiming in. We're like putting all that together. Like, Holy fuck. Come to find out the day prior because he has a big heart and he wanted to be in law enforcement and he wanted to serve and protect and protect people and those who are innocent that need help. Um, he was walking in front of his apartment complex and saw a female a female was being accosted by a male, um, shaved head tattoos. Um, and apparently I guess he was, and I want to say an MS or 18th street gangster. Okay. I believe it was 18th street. Cause that's where, where the side of the town that we were on. It was 18th street. And so he saw this gang member as 18th streeter, I guess, accosting this female, which was his chick smacking around. He steps in. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? Gangster steps up to him. Well, he whoops the gangster's ass. He beats him up right there. Defending the girl's honor. And that upset him to the point where he left Got to arm himself with a revolver, a gun, came back and lied in wait for him to exit that apartment because he knew where he lived. He just didn't know where in the apartment. So he just sat there all fucking day. So this kid come out in fucking perfect time, comes up, pop, 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 takes off. We ended up getting the guy in custody a lot later with, with good investigation. People were talking. People saw shit, you know, whatever. It was just an all around good investigation. Unfortunately, it's fucking dead. Um, but we got the gangster, we got the asshole who killed him, but it was just, it was really like, and at, at that moment, it didn't fuck with me at all. Not at all. One bit. I just mm-hmm. went on straight to investigation mode. Boom. Hey, I got shit I got to do. Can't think about this. Put it out of my mind. And then I was yeah. talking to a buddy from the military. And next thing I know, like I had some drinks 
I fucking started crying to this dude. And then I started not being able to sleep really well. And that just kind of like, that was from four months in and that first year was traumatic enough for me to fuck with my sleeping and everything. And I couldn't even put it together why I was having problems sleeping until I, you know, a couple years later, but I was, it was hard and it was difficult. And then I had to learn how to kind of cope with that and deal with that. And then I knew that it was not going to be my last time that that something like that would happen to me. Um, and I had to learn how to kind of like cope with that shit and deal with it. And I'm like, okay, well, this is a job that I fucking chose. So right. I'm going to, I'm going to learn how to deal with this. And it took me a little bit to, to learn how to deal with that. And I'm still learning how to deal with other things, but you know, I started to go to sleep drinking NyQuil like every fucking night found yeah. out that that was not a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> So like, that was, that was a big thing. People were like, Oh, you having trouble sleeping? Like, what are you using for sleep aids? And I was like, fucking NyQuil. And they're like, Whoa, that's not good. How much? And I was like, I don't know. Just kind of drink some of the bottle, buying a couple of bottles of NyQuil a week just to try to sleep. And, and then I yeah, fucking, kinda, a liver damage yeah. is no bueno. Yeah. And it, I kind of, it all started because I got sick too. And I was trying to sleep and I was like, Hey, this is great for sleeping. I'll just use it for this. Well, that's you know, exactly it, like it, trying, it works oh, for, it works yeah. for it one time. Right. And then you're like, oh, that worked before. I'm just going to do And it keeps working. So that's, <laughs> in fact, yeah. um, Tylenol put Benadryl, right? Generic Benadryl mm-hmm. in Tylenol and called it Tylenol PM. Right. And they were like, hey, it's Tylenol, but we added something to help you sleep. And I'm like, it's yeah, fuck your liver Tylenol with Benadryl, right? And then, yeah. <laughs> wait, this is the best. This is the best part. People were taking the Tylenol PM to help them sleep. The people I knew. Oh yeah. Right. Smart police officers that I was, and I had worked narcotics and I was, I checked labels. I know what things I'm not stupid. Okay. I can read labels. I know when a chemical name is the same on either box. Right. And I don't want to read percentages. And so then Tylenol PM, everybody's taking Tylenol PM to help them sleep. I said, that's way too much. (laughs) Dude, you can't have that much Tylenol in your body. And so then Tylenol was like, we're releasing new Tylenol Simply Sleep. It's Tylenol PM without the Tylenol. And I'm like, you guys, are you releasing Benadryl? (laughs) (laughs) Here, here's Benadryl, you fuckers. I just, I, I just want people out there to understand. There is, there are options, melatonin, right? But there are some, there are discussions about what are the long-term effects of taking, you know, large quantities of melatonin every night for years. Um, not, they don't oh, yeah. necessarily know. So just, just, you know, be, be careful of all kinds of things. I used to take Ambien. Um, oh, but I never did that. I was that like, stuff is dangerous. Yeah. Um, sleepwalking and doing crazy yeah. shit. You don't even know you're asleep. I went you to plenty of, the- yeah. I went to plenty of calls. Um, of people that had been on that stuff. So I, but I get what you're saying as far as like the, the long-term emotional effect of just that one moment, because it's different seeing somebody die and seeing coming upon somebody who is dead are two different things. Right? Yeah. It's way different. Way different. Um, and watching their life leave their eyes is so that I was just about to say, so like seeing somebody like who's alive, shot dead, like, they're standing there, their head explodes, they're dead. Like it's shocking, but because of what you see, you process it. 
but there is something that is altogether different about what you said, watching the light go out of mm-hmm. somebody's eyes and being there yeah. as they go from, I can talk to you. I'm aware of what's happening. That, you know, moment always depicted in movies. I'm getting cold and it's getting dark, right? That crossing right. over moment. That's, that's not a moment. A lot of people are there for, and it's mm-hmm. not a moment that a lot of people are ready for, and it will stick with you. Um, technically it, it wasn't my first time someone dying like that in my arms. It's just the first guy came back to life like five fucking times. Right. Yeah. So you had a chance <laughs> he, to process it. Right. Yeah. And he was, a and he was a bad dude. That dude was a fucking gangster, like an OG gangster. And he had kind of like stopped the first one I had and he kind of stopped like banging, but he was still living in the area. So he's an OG right. in the area. He's not really out, but he's not really in. And he got hit up and shot. And we responded and we fucking took him to the hospital. And this month, we're trying to interview that dude in the back of the ambulance. He's like, fuck you. And then he just, fuck, boom. And I was like, oh shit, he's dead. And then they start working up and he comes back to life. And this dude had fucking, I want to say six rounds in him from a six shot revolver dumped. And they got a couple of them out, left the rest of them in. And he died five times on the table, once in the back, mm-hmm. once twice in the back of the ambulance. And I was like, dude, this guy's not going to make it. Finally, the, the surgeon comes out and he's like, he's going to make it. And I was like, holy shit. And he had come back out like multiple times. Like, yeah. hey, he's not going to make it. Like, yeah, hey, that's different. That's different. DRT in your lap. Yeah. And yeah. I'll say, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I've been to different stages and I, the first one, well, yeah, the first one, when, like, you come upon a body that has just killed itself, and it's still warm, and, like, uh, you're, like, you feel like you can shake them, and the pulse, like, the pulse is leaving, even, the, like, that's, 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 that'll change things, like, you, then it'll get real, you know, uh, oh, coming, oh, yeah. coming upon a traffic accident that you see happen, or you hear happen, or you get dispatched to, thir- and you get it up there, 10 seconds after it's happening and it, you know, people are still trying to open doors and pull seatbelts off and get out of the car. And then there's people that yeah. are just, you know, the, the, again, it's a different feeling. Yeah. Watching them get opened up or you see their brains right there and they're already mm-hmm. still, still steaming. So their body's still warm or you, they're working on a fucking shooting victim and all the way back, you know, to the hospital. And then they crack their fucking chest open and then everything's all steamy. It's different. You know, it's, it's it's different than rolling up on a scene where you just see the person and you're like okay they're dead cool yeah the, there's a powerlessness to knowing somebody's dying and you can't yeah. stop it and they're looking at you because there is a look in their eyes of like please make please don't let this happen to me it's like a panic yeah, um, dude he locked he locked he looked in my soul bro actually <laughs> yeah. fucking wild he I mean, was staring at me like, right, you're oh, like oh, it's, it's oh. A, there's an it, there's an intimacy to it there is there is yeah. And, and, and it's crazy. People don't don't at me with the word intimacy because that means you clearly don't grasp how the English language works. You can have intimacy with somebody without it being romantic right. or being friendship or anything like that. It's there's yeah you know if you don't believe in intimacy, then uh, try standing naked in front of a crowd of people you don't know. <laughs> it gets real intimate real quick. Uh, anyway. It's like when they say it's real intimate to stab someone. Oh yeah, because it's saving private Ryan. personal. David Private Ryan. Super, yeah, it's it's super yep. intimate. It's not Watch sexual. Testing. It's just intimate. 
Uh, I, so I've realized something you talked about, um, that it, it kind of applies to what you're saying, right? Because I have realized that over the course of all the awful things I've seen, um, and I'm pretty healthy. I think I've processed a lot of it. Um, there's still stuff that's difficult, right? And it will always be difficult just because it's that awful. Um, but I have realized that one of my initial responses that I have to fight against is getting angry at people who do things that make me feel emotions. I'm not ready to feel. Oh yeah. 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 Right. So somebody does something and that steers me down an emotional path that I'm not ready for. Then part and parcel with whatever emotions I have to experience by veering off this road with them. I also have to take a little bit of anger with me towards them for doing this to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, that's a tough one because I often struggle with how much of it is. This is my problem that I have to deal with. This is my burden. This is my cross to bear versus how much can you look at your friends and family and say, Hey, you people care about me. You know, this is something that could happen with me. You know, you should be aware of it and and be careful, you know, but at the same time, we think that way. Yeah. But if we don't, if I don't communicate properly, that that's something that I experience is that little flash of anger towards somebody for making me feel things. If they're not prepared for that to be tainting every emotional response they get from me, then that's going to be tough for them. Oh yeah. And this shit can come and rear its head at the worst and most inopportune times. And if you, if, if anyone ever is out there and they're, they're listening to this and they're like, I felt those before If you're ever kind of like, kind of depressed or whatever and you're out hanging with buddies or you're out on a camping trip or something with like family and friends don't get fucked up do you drink just don't get fucked up don't don't get to the point where you're really 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 drunk because that's when that shit will rear its fucking head Mm -hmm. you will take it out on the people that you love you will take it out on your kids you will take it out on your wife you will take it out on your girlfriend your yeah if it's uh, it's still in the pot boiling Mm -hmm. alcohol just turns up the stove like does I want people to understand that if your pot is full, you're going to drink, understand you just turned up the heat. So whatever's in the pot that's undealt with is going to boil over period. Be very careful. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately those in law enforcement, they could go out and have a great night, get fucking blasted. Right. Nothing ever happens. They could do the exact same thing the next week or a month later. And it's completely fucking different because you never know when that shit's going to rear its head. So just be careful. And if you are going to like go out and party and do it around those who understand you, understand what you're going through, understand what you have gone through, because you may not currently be going through it at that moment, but hanging around with those people um, to make it quote unquote, a safe space, right? Those that understand the emotions that are going through that your body at any given moment, they will be able to understand that shit and get you out of your funk faster and yeah. get you out of that. But if you are with people who have never experienced that, who have never had any 
um, I guess, experience dealing with those situations or have never once themselves been through anything that crazy, it's probably a good rule of of thumb to just not you drink, just don't get super fucked up to the well, point where you're putting so it on because they're not going to handle it well. So let me uh, let me explain kind of my thoughts on this. Let's imagine we started a club, right? Chuck, we're going to start a club. And in this club, we are going to juggle knives, guns, and live grenades. Oh, okay. Dangerous. Now, the kinds of people we're going to lend into this club, (laughs) do we really want them joining the club if they've never juggled a live grenade, a knife, or a gun before? No. No. Because if it goes wrong, it goes wrong. It, that, it goes it goes terribly wrong. And we yep. need people that understand what is expected of them when it does go wrong. Yep. Okay. That's like going out drinking with a cop. <laughs> Pretty much, dude. Pretty much that or like fucking some military dudes that have seen some shit. With, yeah, yeah, sold, yeah. with military guys, soldiers, Marines, you know, the the airmen, the, like whatever it is, if you've served firefighters, you know, at some point, if one of you goes a little too hard and that fuse gets lit, mm-hmm. the explosion that's coming, civilian friends can't, they won't know how to deal with it. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. actually what, like, go, oh, uh, you want to see a movie? Uh, that completely talks about this subject. This subject is the point of the movie, The Deer Hunter. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. That's the, the you don't know you weren't there, right? Like, I, I, I think that's as succinctly as I can put it with Chuck's advice is he's right. Mm-hmm. And that's why. you, you yeah. if, if you're drinking, you can have a drink or two. But if you're going to do some serious drinking, like football drinking, like Super Bowl Sunday drinking. Yeah. Then make sure that you're around people where it is safe. If your toxic waste storage unit comes unscrewed yeah, and starts spilling, you're with experienced people that because, because the wives will be there for the wives and the husbands will be there for the husbands. And you know, everybody will rush to their emergency battle stations and we'll get that toxic waste cleaned up. But, damn and just don't do it around your kids either as much as you think you're okay you're like i've just been chilling you know whatever don't take it on your kids take it from me i've taken it out on my children a couple times and it's not their fault it's my fault and you have to be able to own that shit as embarrassing as that is that is own it fucking correct it quick it's not going to be that night the next day you need to correct it and Try not to ever let it happen again because, because the amount of emotions we put onto our family is more than any kid or any wife or spouse or whoever the fuck they are to you should ever have to deal with, right? Mm-hmm. So we have to know when we open that can of worms not to let it overflow onto them. And it's it takes a lot of due diligence on our part, and I am not perfect at it. Far from it. I have fucked up numerous times. I've taken it out on my family. And I own it, and I'm sorry. I tell them I'm sorry, like, the next morning. I'm sorry. I could do better. And then I'm learning myself, like, hey, there's certain things I don't do. I don't 
I try not to drink liquor anymore during the weekdays. Try to monitor it on the weekends. If I'm out, if I'm not going out, I don't drink. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to drink, I'm going to make sure it's light fucking beer so that I never get to that point. The moment hard liquor takes into effect, that's the moment shit goes south real, real, real quick. Well, you set some boundaries. You know some some ground rules for yourself. So yep. let me ask you I'm this. Still when, fucking up. When you, it, well, it's a trial process, right? Like I've done that. <laughs> horrible. I, I, no, I honestly, like, I am grateful for some of these, like, the high noons because I was never a light beer drinker and I just, I don't like the taste of beer, but it's oh. so easy when you're pouring cocktails to pour heavy. Right. Uh huh. So that, and, and we always, you know, I fucking, I pussies pour light. That, that, mm. like we joke around about it, but let's, let's face it. When you start pouring heavy, that's the slippery. That's that's one of you're you're on that slippery slope, right? Right. So my question to you is, you, knowing that, and knowing you're trying to to stay present emotionally and and not drink right. in those moments, right? Now you have this moment where your wife is talking to you. She brings this up, right? And now you're in this place where you're remembering this dude. Did you talk to her about it? Um, so yeah, I, 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 so this happened when I was with my ex, I, I couldn't really talk to her about things. So I kind of always let things fester and bottle up inside of me. When I got with mm-hmm. my current wife, uh, been with her for over five years now, um, I would tell her about things and I still feel like I couldn't share everything. And when I would, she would, she'd get like, all right, uh, let's not talk about this anymore. But she did a really good job. But when I spoke about this the other day, she mm-hmm. listened. She let me go through it. And she was like, wow. I was like, yeah, this is fucking crazy. And she let, and at no point, it's like, I don't know. She did a really good job at that point in time. And she's still learning to, you know, to how to respond to my crazy shit that I've seen when it comes up. And she did a phenomenal job. She listened to me, and that's really all that I needed. I just needed to get it the fuck out. I just needed to talk about it at that moment. And there are times when I start going on and on about it where she's like, hey, man, that's enough. We're good. Okay. And it kind of, like, sometimes I kind of take offense to it, but at, at the same token, I have to take that step back and be like, well, it's not for everyone, obviously. And I got to make sure that I, respect her wishes just like she respects mine to let me talk about this. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a, a learning curve for me and a learning curve for her. But yeah, she, I, I brought it up and we talked and we were driving and I was driving. And I think she probably just was like, yeah, you're driving. So I'm not going to say anything. I got lucky but, in that my wife, um, she is always, she's always down to hear the the nitty gritty and she can handle a lot. She's been through a lot. She's, you know, she has that dark sense of humor. She's she's there, right? Um, right. Where was a joke if it weren't for multiple sclerosis? She'd have made a great cop, except for the fact that had she actually passed the psych, she might have done something to land her in federal prison for excessive force if she'd have beat somebody's ass a little too hard. Because she has like, like no, I mean, we these are honest conversations I've had, and she's like, "What do you think?" And I say, "I think that." If the wrong person pissed you off, you might end up in federal court for excessive force. Mm-hmm. That's she's, she goes, that's fair. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> my wife. You know, that's just who she is. Um, so I'm lucky. I can 
I or I could uh, share more, I think, um, with her than some some guys can with other wives. Mm-hmm. I think uh, also we have to. Um, if you are a police officer and you're out dating, you need to date intentionally. You need to meet success. You need to meet guys who are, have been married are, are police officers that are married for 20 years and haven't cheated on their wives and are staring down retirement with the woman, it, it, their pension, their woman, like all of that intact. Right. And right. ask them what they did. Right. You need to take some advice. You need to read some books because it is mm-hmm. not easy and being a cop's wife isn't easy and it's not just the job that kills marriages it's marrying the wrong woman who or man who can't handle having a partner in law enforcement or in the military or in private it is tough yeah um they have to some 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 are sensitive people some sensitive people can handle it because they know how to be sensitive and and they they know how to but there are some sensitive people who are overly sensitive and just will fall apart. And then there are some tough people that are tough enough to handle it, like my wife. And then there are other people who they're so tough that they'll be threatened by the fact that you're tougher than they are, or if they perceive that you're tough. So there's, there is a really fine balancing act, but there's also a balancing act of sharing stories, right? Like, yeah, there are some stories I don't want my wife to know i don't like i don't want to know him so i don't i don't want to taint her now once i do know some of those things i have to decide how much can i share and get it off my chest yeah and honestly there are certain things that i fuck up and i share because she's like you need to tell me and i'm like okay like i'll fucking tell you but it's not good she's like i don't care and i'm like all right but i give her a warning and i told her some shit that just happened and i can't go into detail about it but um it fucked her up. It fucked her up to the point where she's withdrawn from people right now. And she's just, she's hurting a little bit on the inside. And it's nothing that I did to her or anything. It was just a story that hit close to home for her. And she was like, fuck. And so you just got to be aware like of those things and know your spouse. And, but sometimes if they really want to push it and they're just like, Hey, you need to tell me what's going on. They're like, all right, but like, it's going to be tough. Like give them that warning. Let them make their decision. That way they're not going to be mad at you. If it fucks with them later, right. they're going to, they'll, they'll have that mature understanding, you know, especially if they're a mature adult to know that like, Hey, I have like, I, uh, I have like four settings on the dial, right? I have the first two settings, right? The very time, the very first setting is you get nothing right on my statue. Mm-hmm. And the very last setting is, I'll I'll tell you whatever you want to know, and I'm going to laugh if you get grossed out by it, right? Yeah. But it's those other two settings in the middle of, I'll share with you, but I'll try to be sensitive of the point at which you're overwhelmed by it. And then there's the, ooh, I've shared probably a little too much with you, and I was I was insensitive, and now I've repulsed you, and you're running away in horror, and I have to apologize. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like I have I have 100%. that too where i just oh shit they weren't ready for it and i didn't read the room yeah, <laughs> yeah i've dude i've done that so many fucking times mm-hmm. man where people aren't ready for it and i'm like fuck and i'm just like my bad like and there's normally when i've had a little bit to drink well there's the wheels come off and I'm like, fuck. what you were saying <clears throat> exactly and just got to know your audience so like i rather drink with people who 
were law enforcement, former law enforcement, former medics, former fire, former military, because they get it. But guys who've like who've seen some shit, who have problems themselves, and like they understand it because they can get me out of my funk and I can get them out of their funk a lot faster than your your civilian buddies, right? It's totally different. Your civilian friends and your work friends or your law enforcement friends or your military friends or your fire friends or your medic mm-hmm. friends, they're two different fucking people. They may both be your friends equally, but if you lose your shit a little bit, your civilian friends aren't going to know how to react, but your law enforcement, your buddies who are seeing the same shit yep. are going to know how to respect or react. Yep. And they're going to be able to get you out of your funk. The biggest thing I can say for those who are in law enforcement fire and medics and military you've seen some shit and you're currently dealing with some shit pay attention on the shit that you do with your family and make sure that you're not taking it out on your loved ones and i say this with a strong heart give them kisses and hugs every fucking day because you never know what can happen you never know what that grief that you're putting on them will do you, mm-hmm. you never know you need to make sure that you tell your kids every day that you love them you care for them and be more present when you're going through something to make sure that it doesn't uh, overflow onto them and just be more cognizant of when you're in taking alcohol at a social event or especially at home. If you're doing drinking that heavily at home, you might need to talk to a therapist. Um, But know that if you are, you know, out in public and your family and friends are there, know your limit. And don't let that ever overflow into them. It's going to happen, but make sure that you correct it when it does. And make sure your kids and your family and everyone know that you really care for them, you really love for them, and that they don't feel like second fiddle to you and to your emotions. Try to make sure that they feel first because you never know what's going to happen in life. Yeah. And you never want to be able to, you never want to have to beat yourself up later for something that may or may not happen right and don't be an idiot the job's gonna mess you up acknowledge it and and like that's the first like seriously that's the one that pisses me off because it's the easiest one for people to screw up is for them to be the guy listening to this podcast they're in their patrol car or they're at their fire station or they're in their base or wherever they're at non-deployment and they're listening to this podcast and going yeah all you guys that are having issues you need to talk about that shit Uh, me i'm good right i'm good i'm good but everybody else needs to hear that because that's an important message. Yeah. If you're saying everybody else needs to hear that, you probably need to hear it the most because it means you're tuning it out the most. So, Oh yeah. And there's like you, you probably have things that you have forgotten about and put in the back of your memory dump. Like you're just like, Doop. and mm-hmm. all of a sudden one thing will bring it up and you haven't remembered that shit for fucking years, 10 years, five years, eight years, a year, like you're burying it. Right. And it pops up and it pops up at the worst fucking times. And sometimes it pops up at the same time um, every year. And so that kind of leads us into this week's dedication, which it's easy. It's easy today of all days, right? We'd be remiss if we didn't dedicate this episode. It's not exactly a debrief. It's not a guest. It is a story. And so Chuck, because it's Chuck's story (laughs) and because of what day it is. We thought we'd dedicate. Yeah, this I mean, episode. I would. Go ahead. Absolutely. I know exactly where you're going. It's September 11th, all the families and victims, um, the families of the victims, everyone who's been put through all the triumphs, tribulations of that and the struggles and losing your family members. It's something that we remember every year is the greatest attack on, on American soil ever. 
Yeah. So I uh, I was watching a show recently. It was a just a procedural cop show that my mom had never seen from the two thousands, and in it they had an episode that I looked up when it aired, and it was I think it was close to the the eighth or ninth anniversary of September eleventh, maybe just around approaching the 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 ten year mark, definitely for sure, and. Uh, they did an episode where each character went around and kind of spoke about where they were when it happened. And, you know, um, I hope that uh, the same way I was taught by my grandfather's generation to always keep Pearl Harbor Day in my heart mm-hmm. as some bit th- something that we talk about with reverence when that day arises every year. I hope that my grandkids uh, and my great grandkids will be doing the same thing on, on their video chat shows or telling their kids or whatever it is in the, you know, three generations from now about September 11th, because, you know, I already start to see between that episode of television from 10 years ago. And now so many people, you know, even September 11th has become a divisive topic and it shouldn't be right. People so. lost their lives and we should remember those and never forget. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't be divisive. It should bring people together. together. And, and, you know, it, yeah. it brought a whole nation together and it's, I, I don't like our nation coming together that way, but it, it brought us everyone together. And it's sad because you watch all those, even today or yesterday, there was so many shows on there's going to be a more tomorrow regarding September 11th. And you hear all the, the telephone calls from the people on the plane and in the tower. And that shit's gut wrenching. And we have to for, for remember and never forget that those were people's family members. That was someone's mother, their father, their brother, their sister. It shouldn't be divisive. It should be unity because Everyone's struggling together. There was the biggest wet loss on American soil since Pearl Harbor. Yeah. And I think the toll of that was even more lives lost. And I believe September we 11th. lost more people at nine, in, on September 11th than we lost. Yeah. 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 You just you remember those people. Back. Yeah. It, it was. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. It's, it's rough. It's, it's tough. Well, I think that about covers yeah. it. <laughs> we could beat Anyways. it to death. So, Chuck, why don't you give them uh, give them the business, as we say? Well, I appreciate you guys for listening. So, I want to say thank you for all those that are out there listening. Um, <clears throat> and uh, please follow us on our Instagram at war underscore stories underscore official and our Facebook at War Stories Podcast. Please share and like our posts. It's how we grow. Please rate and review us. It's also how we grow. Um. Our podcast is on all major podcasting platforms as well as on our YouTube. And you can always go to our, our uh, website at www.warstoriesofficial.com. Grab some of our gear. And if you think you have a story you want to tell, go to our, go to our uh, email at booking.warstories at gmail.com. Again, that is booking.warstories at gmail.com. Give me your story. I'll get you booked. We're always looking for law enforcement, corrections, dispatchers, fire, medics, and veterans. And if you have a friend who you think would be a great fit, for our show, give them our booking email and let them know about us. 
And again, thank you for your support. Stay safe. Yep. So uh, we called an audible this week. I think it worked out fine. Um, yeah. We're still going to the live stuff with the, when we have guests that allow it. So until our mm-hmm. next episode, uh, come home with your shield or on it.